Serena Catania here from OWC Radio. We continue our series on remote collaboration and production with Michael Kamas. Michael is Bebop's VP of Marketing and Business Development and for many years has been my go-to source for incredible information about technical workflows. Today, we are talking about a new ebook called How to Really Improve Your Remote Creative Experience. Here's Michael. It's time for OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania. I have a dear friend, Michael Kamas, on the line. We've known each other for longer than some of you listening have been alive. Michael is somebody that I respect quite a bit in the technology side of things and workflow and integrations. And I think, Michael, it was about not quite two years ago when we were at NAB just opening up OWC Radio and you started talking about Bebop. And here we are, and it has really evolved. And you're now the VP of Marketing and Business Development for Bebop. So Welcome to the show. We've got a lot to talk about today. Serena, it's great to hear your voice again. Thanks so much uh, for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always fun talking with you. You've got great energy. And no matter how tired I am or how little sleep I've gotten talking to you, it's always energizing. So I want to talk about two things. First of all, this particular interview, part one, I'm going to call it, is about your book. And your book is called, it's an ebook, and it's called How to Really Improve Your Remote Creative Experience. And we'll get into detail on that in a moment. And I want to let everyone know there's going to be a part two of this where we are going to get into the behind the scenes of this year's Super Bowl and what Bebop technology had to do with bringing it to you in a way that was pleasurable and interesting and incredibly well created. So first of all, Michael, let's talk about your book. Why did you write this book and why do we need it at this point in time? Well, as you know, Serena, I've always been a massive advocate of technical education and not just technical education, but education that kind of cuts away from the the kind of marketing shine that you see in a lot of things, right? Here in the U.S., the laws are very lax on what you can say and what something will actually do. And it's kind of been weight that I felt I needed to carry on my back to demystify a lot of technology that's out there and cut through some of the, you know, marketing shine. And during the, the pandemic, folks are working from home and they're encountering technical hurdles that they never expected. They may not have an IT department to assist. Their home networks are being asked to do heavy lifting that they've never had to do before. And I wanted to get information out there and make your situation, which is already stressful, less stressful by demystifying some of the things that would cause you to have a poor experience when working remote. And so I approached my coworkers at Bebop and said, look, I, I really want to put something out there that could certainly be applicable for Bebop, but could be applicable for every remote solution, because as cliche as it sounds, we are all in this together. And I would really rather see folks have a pleasurable creative experience and have less stress on a daily and nightly basis, then I'd like to see them buy product XYZ. So Bebop was gracious enough to afford me time and access to uh, some folks on the Bebop staff to put together this document that uh, outlines some of the common things that would cause you to have a poor remote creative experience, but also offers up not only the ways to fix it, but 
also some of the technical reasons why for those folks who really want to get their hands dirty. I have to tell you, you took a really deep dive with this in areas that very few people are covering. I mean, this would even help with Zoom calls, not just remote editing. Any connection that you have on the Internet, you really need this book because you need to check your router. You need to check the syncing. You need to check the speed. And, Michael, I want to ask you some specific questions. So for those of you listening, the book, again, is called How to Really Improve Your Remote Creative Experience. We will tell you at the end of this interview where to go to get it. And I recommend it for anybody that turns on a computer and tries to access the Internet. So one of the things that you talk about is our home connections and how do we know if it's fast enough. Now, a lot of us use speedtest.net. We go on and we measure, but we really don't understand what you were talking about with sync tests. Talk to us about syncing and why that's important when you're recording something using the Internet. Well, when you're traditionally editing, you're looking to cut on a specific frame. You're looking to put a sound effect in a specific place. No one wants lip flap. No one wants their product to look like a poorly dubbed film. And when you're working with content remotely, when you're accessing a system that's sitting miles away, oftentimes that audio and video can get out of sync and it can be just enough to drive you crazy as an editor, but it also won't allow you to do true QC, right? You don't know if it's in sync and maybe your system just isn't set up right. So one of the tools that Bebop devised is something that anyone who's worked with film in the past would be familiar with. It's the Tupop. Right. For those who haven't worked with film, you always had Academy Leader, which was the physical film that had the pictures on it. And there was a countdown. And when you hit that number two in the middle of the screen, that two was on the frame for one frame. Right. One twenty fourth a second. And then on your audio track on your mag or your optical, you would have a one unframe tone. And we would call that a two pop. And you knew if that two pop was in sync at the front and in sync at the end, that meant that everything should be in sync. So what Bebop did is say, look, why don't we just recreate this by having a follow the bouncing ball, right? And in this video, when the ball hits on a downbeat, you hear a tone. So you can load this video clip up in Premiere or Avid or any editing tool you're using and play this. And if you see that ball bounce and you hear that tone and they aren't in sync, then that's a pretty good indicator that something on your system needs to be tweaked. And that's when you can refer to the rest of the document, the ebook we created, because it offers up solutions on how to keep things in sync. This is so important, Michael. I mean, every single Zoom call, I guarantee you it's going to be out of sync. Audio and video are out of sync. How much out of sync obviously will depend on your system. But I know that I always have to adjust it. If I'm recording an interview or a meeting and I want to edit it, always have to adjust the sync. So I'm really happy to have this. That editing tool is called, what's it called again? The uh, sync test. It's a sync test. We give you a link where to download it in the ebook. And it's just a low bitrate ProRes file. You drop it in your timeline and then you play it. And if it's out of sync, then depending on what creative tool you're using, whether it's Premiere or whether it's Media Composer, both of those applications have ways of going in and setting uh, what Avid calls a set desktop play delay. Or in Adobe and Premiere under audio hardware, I believe it's offset audio. In both cases, you can increment those values in frames or milliseconds, and that will get you really close. And to be clear, this is only changing how you perceive 
where the audio and video are. It doesn't move anything in your timeline. So this is important because let's say you load up a project that you were working with back at the office, but now you're at home working on it remotely and it's suddenly out of sync. Now you can adjust it so you hear it at the right place without having to bump it on the timeline to compensate. So this book starts out obviously with how to test your home internet connection. Obviously, don't use Wi-Fi. <laughs> have a direct connection. And we talked about sync test. And then you have a section here called spring cleaning that I found very interesting. And you talked about TCP versus UDP. Can you explain to people what that is and why we need to know? Sure. Normal web traffic, when bits and bytes are being delivered to your system, there's error checking going on. And that error checking is, did this bit, did this byte arrive okay? And if it is okay, let it through. If not, go back and get it again. And because of that error checking, you can get decreased bandwidth. Things can be a little bit slower. When you're starting to use different protocols like UDP, UDP is non-error correcting. So once that data comes through, it's not going back to verify if it was right. It just keeps grabbing the next bit of data and sending it to you. That in and of itself is going to give you more bandwidth than you would normally get with TCP. But what it also allows you to do is get content faster because that error correcting is not going on. So a lot of protocols out there, whether it be uploaders or downloaders, whether it be video conferencing or screen sharing, will use UDP protocols because that's how you get the most throughput and fastest response. The problem with that is the applications that are using UDP are usually running on your desktop. And people will normally run 20 to 30 applications at once on their laptop, whether it's Chrome with 50 tabs or maybe they're doing an FTP transfer. If they are, stop it. FTP is 50 years old and needs to die. You could be running Spotify. You could be running Pandora. You could be running a ton of applications. And editors are usually accustomed to doing that. But those have chatter. Those applications are always phoning home. They're always looking out at the internet for a license key or updates. And the more things you have running in the background that are accessing the internet while you're trying to get those frames as quickly as you can to your system, you're asking for trouble. And so the first troubleshooting thing, aside from the be wired, not wireless, is when you do an alt tab or control tab and you have all these different applications running on your system, shut them down. Shut them down now because they're only going to degrade your remote editing experience. Absolutely. I think before I called you, I got out of every single application I had running that I could spare and I closed down all my internet connections. I don't have Chrome or Firefox or Safari. Nothing's running. All the other applications are closed. And still, even once in a while, I can hear a little bit of what I call my Skype stuttering when you're talking. So I don't know whose end it's on. We both have very fast connections. But Michael, I love this book so much because it really does help us to get the very best of all of these worlds when we're getting ready to do a recording. I love it. I really do. Now, you talk about all those applications. We can specifically talk about what some of the, the really worst applications are, right? Other than our browsers, obviously. But then what else is out there that really interferes? Would you say Dropbox, music applications? Definitely applications that are, as I said, phoning home. And Dropbox is a massive perpetrator of this because it's always looking out to the internet to see, 
A, do I have a connection? And B, is there data to either upload or download to sync? Adobe, I love Adobe, but Creative Cloud, there's a lot of chatter that's always reaching out. Uh, when you're doing Pandora or Spotify, yes, it's audio and yes, it's compressed. But again, Spotify, if you have your settings set in a certain way, it's going to try and localize some of those files. If it's Pandora, it's going to be reaching out, looking for the next song. The other big offenders, Signiant, Aspera, any kind of peer-to-peer -peer transferring applications like Resilio Sync, which is a very popular one for Mac, those are always transferring data. Those are always reaching out and phoning home, and you don't want them to get priority, and you don't want them to be transferring things when you're trying to deliver you know, a pretty hefty video and audio stream to your system. Yeah. Should we, on uh, the Mac OS, should we be turning off Time Machine? Definitely. You can set Time Machine, if I'm not mistaken, to go at different times. I have an icon in the top right of my Mac that I can see when it starts to back up. And I can go up there and say, skip this backup. So definitely. You know what's really interesting and something that I don't think uh, many people took into account until COVID happened last year is uh, you can optimize your computer system at home the best possible way. But what no one predicted was that you're not the only one at home. You have roommates, you have partners, you have kids, and their systems may not be optimized. They may not have that ability. You probably didn't get a job as an IT professional to do IT at home. So there are a lot of other hurdles that have to be jumped, and there are, you do have to address the other potential technical issues at your home as well, because you don't want, just because you've optimized your system, to have your kids Zoom session, right? Or your partner's video conference, take down your network. What's really interesting is that working at Bebop, and I'm talking to clients all day, I'm even talking to coworkers of Bebop, and you can see when someone on the call when their quality drops or when they start to drop out. And all of us on the call will be like, like, your daughter has school right now, doesn't she? Oh yes, you're right, they do. Because you can see and hear that quality hit when everyone is trying to hit the internet at once and there hasn't been what we call QoS or quality of service, right? If you go to, let's say, take a flight somewhere, you shouldn't be flying, but let's say you do. They're a priority line, right? And that's because they've gone through security checks and, and they've done this and that. And that's something that you really need to do on your home network, which is set up a quality of service, which says traffic from this application, traffic using this port or this IP, you get priority. We let you through first. And unfortunately, that is not something a lot of folks are familiar with. And a lot of consumer routers at home or consumer modems don't have that level of granularity for people to adjust. So that could mean someone watching Netflix is actually getting a better experience at your house than you trying to remote into your Avid system that's 10 miles away. So it's unfortunately not just a one-person concern. It's, it's the whole network. Right. And you have a section in your book, actually, that helps us to optimize those router settings, which is something, honestly, I didn't know about. I do everything I can to get a good connection, but it has never occurred to me to check the manual for my router to see what's getting priority on it and to be able to change that, hopefully. It is. It, and it, just like us not realizing that we were going to be stuck home with other, with other folks 24-7, this was something that I also realized that not a lot of people were aware of. So we had a, a fantastically brilliant person at Bebop, uh, Mike Pond, 
for those in the industry uh, who wrote that section of the ebook. And I've had several people chime in and say, hey, this is great. I didn't know you could do this. So it's good that this information is out there so people can get educated and, and tweak their systems uh, to be as responsive as possible. Pretty amazing. Do you have any other tips for us about how we can increase our speed? Well, here's a good one. Contact your cable provider. I know that sounds like a tip, but hear me out. If you sign up for a cable service through Spectrum, Time Warner, or Comcast, whoever, you sign up for a plan. And they're going to let you pay for that plan month after month, year after year. And they're not going to tell you to hey, why don't you call in and see if you get a better package? Because there's so much competition in the ISP industry, there's always price changes and price drops. And I tell you, I guarantee you, I call every year and I have the operator that says, oh, you're still on that plan? Oh, well, we now have a lower plan and you get more throughput. So I know it's, yeah, another thing to put on your to-do list, but call. Call and say, for what I'm paying you now, do I get an increase in bandwidth or can I pay less? So I highly recommend you make that call. It's not a technical thing at all, but make sure you call them. The other part is that your network is only going to be as fast as the hardware you put in that network. So if you're using an old cable modem, that cable modem may not be able to handle the throughput that your cable company is selling to you. Oh, I'm sorry, renting to you. So make sure that your cable modem handles what the ISP, the cable provider, is giving you. And if not, either buy a new one or, and I just learned this a couple of weeks ago, my provider, after you know 20 years of having to rent a modem from them when I did, they now just give you one. So when I made the, my change to my network a couple months ago, I called and said, uh, you know, I'll go out and buy a new modem. And they said, no, we'll just give you one. Just come and sign for it. So I went and signed for it, and I've been using it free of charge. So uh, that whole renting of a cable modem in some areas, it looks like that's been deprioritized. So again, call your cable company if you use a cable modem and tell them what modem you have, tell them what speed you have, tell them how much you're paying and see what they can do for you because more often than not, they're going to be able to help you out. Yeah. And I think you should run these speed tests occasionally. I mean, this morning I ran a speed test and I'm paying for one gig service from Spectrum because I need it, right? I think I need it. And I was pinging at 20 milliseconds, which is, which is good. The download, though, is only 194, and the uploads only, it's under 20. It's only 19 and a half. Yeah, that's not too uncommon. I mean, it's not as good as what you get at your place, right? I don't have one gig. I would like it, but I don't need it. I'm paying for, I believe, 400 down, and I think I'm under 30 up, if memory serves. I'll have to check into that. The hallmark of a home connection, of a non-fiber home connection, is usually you can download a heck of a lot faster than you can upload. So you're not getting 100 up, 100 down, 400 up, 400 down. You're usually getting a really good amount down and a paltry amount up. And that is good for people who are editing remotely, meaning if I'm remoting into a system that's across town, across the country, if I'm logging into a cloud workstation, that download is fine. That's fine. It's upload. So if you are editing on your home system and maybe you want to invite a collaborator or producer or someone else to see your screen, so you say, okay, I'm going to route that through Zoom or Skype or Teams or BlueJeans, that's when you're going to hit your brick wall. 
A, because the throughput upload isn't great. And second, you're using video conferencing platforms that were never designed for video. Now, if you're sharing a PowerPoint slide deck, that's not video, right? That's one frame that you hold on and then you occasionally have a really cool transition. If you're dealing with video, you're dealing with 24, 30, 60 frames a second and that content can have 80% of the screen changing between one frame to another. So you need something that's a bit more robust than these you know, pedestrian screen sharing protocols which were only meant for talking heads or slide decks. Well, I'm wondering why I'm paying for one gig and I'm getting half the down speed and almost, what, half the up speed. I got to check on this. So everybody listening, you guys need to do the same. Run a speed test, talk to your cable provider, check on your modem and make sure it can do what you want to do and get your system cleaned up. Where do people go to get this ebook, Michael? You can get it from Bebop Technology. We're just redoing the website, but there should be a link on there about getting your free ebook. And it is free. We just get your email address and you can download it. I've already made one revision to it. So if anyone's downloaded it before, one of the things I brought up in there was many people like me will have four Chrome windows open and I'll have 20 or 30 tabs open in each. And that is a massive memory suck. So there was a great plugin. I won't name it here but there was a great plugin that would suspend your tabs, freeze them, so they weren't actively using memory or pulling things from the internet. I've used that plugin for years, and at some point last year, the company was sold, and now it's been removed from the Google Store because of malware. So I had to go in and into the dock and revise it with a new plugin that will suspend your tabs and remove the old one. So the document is sort of organic. A lot of the stuff in there is still completely current. That's awesome. Everybody, go get the book. And Michael, thank you. Thank you for your time. We are going to continue this on part two, where we're going to talk about the recent Super Bowl and everything that was going on behind the scenes. And that's a project that, Michael, I think you started with the NFL over a year ago. And here we are. We went through Super Bowl. Everything worked great. And we're going to talk more about that. And I want to go under the hood about Bebop and remote editing and how you can do it using Bebop technology on part two. So Michael Kamas, thank you so much for your time. You are awesome. And everybody listening, remember what I always tell you, get up off your chair and go do something amazing today. Okay. This is Serena Catania. I'm signing off. We will see you soon with part two of Michael Kamas.